I know very a lot of people who are very strong, very flexible, a lot of, of physical stamina and, and abilities well into their 80s and 90s. And there's a lot of people in their 20s and 30s who, you know, can't run a block. Welcome to Success Formula, where success is not a monolith. I'm Cole Johnson, ushering the many different paths to success, and my next guest has paved yet another way and a road to get there. Lifelong Vitality is her business, and her business is good. With consumer advocacy groups like 60 and Me, she serves knowledge to over 500,000 members around the world. Her mission is to alter the way we view and experience aging. Ladies and gentlemen, author, I'm sorry, <clears throat> award-winning author <laughs> and president of Brilliant Aging, Kay Van Norman. Welcome to Success Formula, Kay. Well, thank you, Cole. It's nice to, to be here and I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Oh, I am looking forward to this too. And uh, when this in, when this invite was extended and I got a chance to get a vibe and a feel as to how you are, I was like, okay, I think we're going to be in for a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> now, healthy aging is your profession, but you have a love of dance. Now, how did that develop? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it happened way back in... When I was in middle school, and I guess I was what they would call a tomboy, I was always out playing football with my brother and his friends and doing stuff, and my mom decided that she wanted me to be a girl, so she <laughs> so she put me in a dance class, and I didn't really take at that point, but I really, um, as when I came to the university, Montana State University, um, I really got more interested in dance and started you know, studying it very um, seriously and went away to East Coast to do some training and then ended up coming back and teaching dance at Montana State for a number of years. So it's been a big part of my life and I continue to dance with a performance company. Um, we just had a performance about a month ago. So it keeps me on my toes, literally. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. I've heard that dance is a, a discipline all its own. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I respect that. I respect those who, who love it and actually do it <laughs> yeah. for the discipline that it has. Yeah. Uh, so did, did you have any aspirations of like being on Broadway and dancing? You know, not really. I think for me, Cole, it was really, uh, I love dancing, but I also, I, I live in Montana. Um, there was a time when a friend of mine, uh, that I danced with did go to New York and ended up dancing with the Rockettes. And, and I thought about it briefly, but what it, what occurred to me is that I couldn't take my horses to New York. <laughs> so <laughs> I wasn't really interested in, in leaving that part of my life behind and um, my husband and, and uh, you know, children and stuff are a big part of my life, obviously. And, so I just wanted a more balanced life. I mean, if you're going to be a professional dancer, that is your life. And for me, I really wanted the the whole the whole thing. I wanted to be able to throw my horse in a horse trailer and be at a trailhead and ride to a mountain lake and come home and have lunch with my husband. So and then dance also. <laughs> so it worked out great. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did work out great. Okay, so I'm hearing horses. Mm-hmm. A lot. I heard mountain lakes. Uh, all right. So uh, I'm, I'm getting this uh, 
sort of like the old west type vibe <laughs> from you. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I have kind of you know split personality. I definitely you know um, you know play do the whole you know backcountry horse horsewoman kind of thing. I and mean, we do a lot of mountain rides where we're gone all day. We just we take off and head you know a twenty five mile ride or something and go up to a, a lake or a beautiful vista point and have lunch with a, a great view and, and then come on back. It's just, it's a, it's a wonderful lifestyle. I, I feel, feel very grateful that I can, can do that. Mm. Yeah. I, I can hear the laid back tone in your voice. So <laughs> the area must serve you well. <laughs> it does. It keeps me, it keeps me grounded. That's for sure. It makes you, I mean, when you look at, when you're sitting on the top of a mountain somewhere looking around, you realize how minuscule you really are in the, in the scheme of things. And so it does keep you sort of grounded. And, and I, I'm very, again, very grateful. I live in such a beautiful place. Bozeman where I live is, um, you know, mountains and rivers. We're about an hour and a half from Yellowstone national park. So it's, it's gorgeous country. And I always tell people I live in a postcard. So it's like you open the windows (laughs) and there's the sunrise over the mountains and you know, it is, it's a lovely way to live. It truly is. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, not, not the closest I've ever been in that area would be around Denver. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I've traversed that area and I had the chance to walk uh, up a uh, up a mountain. I think, the, I think it was like 10,000 feet in the air. And, and how you described it was exactly how I felt. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I, I feel so I can own the world when I'm at sea level. But here I am 10,000 feet up and I'm thinking, man, I am so minuscule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nature has a way of humbling you. And I think, again, living in, you know, Montana, Wyoming kind of areas, you know, the snow has a way of humbling you, you know, all winter long. And you just mm-hmm. learn that you're just a, a very small part of everything. But um yeah. yeah it's a good perspective to have don't take yourself too seriously yeah definitely definitely now i think i i noticed something that was really interesting so your love of dance ties into your passion for healthy aging so so how did that tie come together well you know i think one of the things that that I realized early on when I started working in healthy aging, you know, I first started off thinking that because I taught physical education and dance at the university um, and the program that I ran there for, for older adults was called young at heart. I was really focused on the whole exercise movement part of, of healthy aging. And, but it came apparent to me pretty early on that it really wasn't about just you know, the physical dimension of aging, it really had to do with all the dimensions of aging. And dance is so much a part of that. I mean, when you're, when you're dancing, it isn't just the physical movement. You know, you have to be completely immersed in the activity because you have to be paying attention to what the rhythm of the music is doing. You're trying not to run over the other dancers. You're trying to stay, (laughs) you know, stay with the choreography. And I think that just sort of um, gave me a different perspective on, you know, what this whole thing about healthy aging and wellness is. Um, and then I think it also made me realize um, as I, I started aging, I'm, I'm 62 now, um, when I was about, I don't know, I was probably 40, I had been doing a lot of traveling and speaking at conferences and all the kinds of things that come along with consulting. and 
I hadn't been doing a lot of dancing and a lot of physical activity, frankly. And so I decided I really needed to get back into it. And so I sort of <laughs> leaped into it, so to speak, um, to perform at a dance concert and ended up injuring myself and, and, uh, and not being able to perform. And I remember at the time thinking, well, you know, if I had stayed really into it, I'm sure I could keep doing it. But maybe now I, I can't because of my age or whatever. But what was fascinating was I was also at the same time on a, on a pathway um, in my work of really identifying how attitudes and expectations of aging impact outcomes. And so I really had to do an about face and say to myself, you know, it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with the fact that I haven't been dancing and that I didn't prepare myself to be successful um, at performing in a dance concert. And so I sort of took a step back and said, okay, what would I, you know, just like any other project that you would do, what are the tools you need to gather around you? What are the resources you need to be successful? And uh, so I decided, well, I had to have more strength and I had to have more flexibility and, and, uh, and then I needed to take the time for rehearsals and for, you know, staying in shape for dance. And, you know, so just sort of gathered all those things around and, and then approached it a different way the next year and, and, you know, was able to be very successful in dancing and, and continue to dance. So that was 20, 22 years ago. Um, so I guess to me, it's really about not only talking about the healthy aging piece and really um, studying and researching and putting the pieces together, but actually living it as well. You know, you can't very well get up there and, and talk about it all the time if you're not willing to live live it as well. Wow, 62. Yeah, you do not sound like you're 62 at all. Uh, the energy <laughs> that is coming from you. Oh, see, now that. Be <laughs> lies, a 62-year-old. I'm like, what the, no, well, no. Wow. Point, you know, maybe uh, of the chapter in the successful new book is, you know, what it, what are those scripts running in your head that tells you that somebody who's 62 needs to sound like they don't have a lot of energy. I mean, the, right. there's a, there's a mindset in this, in this culture that as you age, you're just going to start losing steam. Um, you're going to lose physical function. You're going to lose, you know, enthusiasm. You're going to become socially isolated. I mean, there's all these sort of myths and stereotypes around aging and, the fact of the matter is those kinds of things are, are very common and predictable with age, but it's not normal. It's, you know, and it's not unavoidable. It's like the physical part of it. Um, I know very, a lot of people who are very, very strong, very flexible, very, you know, I mean, just have a lot of, of physical um, stamina and, and abilities well into their 80s and 90s. And there's a lot of people in their 20s and 30s who, you know, can't run a block. And so it really is so much about lifestyle. Um, and they used to say that, you know, if you wanted to live, you know, a long, healthy life, you know, pick your parents well. <laughs> because mm -hmm. they thought it was all genetics. But now they realize that about 70% of your aging path is, is determined by lifestyle and only 30% is by genetics. So you have a tremendous amount to do um, with how you how you age. Um, so, I mean, I think it, people, certainly there are changes that happen. Um, and sometimes 
things happen we can't control. You know, you might end up with some kind of a, you know, muscular degeneration type of disease or something. But there's a difference between having something like that happen that you just have to deal with. And, you know, anybody could get hit by a bus tomorrow and become disabled. But there's a big difference between that and actually, you know, creating the bus and stepping in front of it you know, <laughs> by having a really terrible lifestyle and, you know, not putting any time and effort into trying to retain vitality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I at present have a 92 year old grandmother and I, I, I would I always say to her. I say now, I I want to have your your lifestyle and your active life when yeah, I grow up. There you go. Because I'm like you were more active than I am, and I am yeah <laughs> more than more than half your age. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm like wow. Yeah. I was like so. You're that's a, ooh, it's 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 I I I I respect her so much because of that. Well, see, and that's a great role model to have because that's one of those, you know, what I like to call aging scripts running in your brain. You know mm-hmm. that it's possible yeah. to live, you know, uh, an active lifestyle um, in your in your nineties, and so a lot of people, I think, have this mindset that it's not possible. And if you, you know, if you believe that that's the the outcome, no matter what you do, or you believe that the outcome is just becoming frail and dependent as you age, no matter what, you're not going to change your lifestyle. So the first thing is you have to have that, uh, that innate belief system that you can make a difference in, in your lifestyle and you can make a difference in the outcomes of aging because, you know, nobody wants to, nobody wants to become frail and dependent when they get older. But a lot of people spend way more time planning a two-week vacation than they do planning their vitality, their lifelong vitality. They just don't really give it much thought. Or the thoughts they do give it are things like, oh, now that I'm this age, I can't do this or I can't do that. And so I think we really have to to do our very best to, to um, you know, root the, those kinds of thoughts out and, and reject them and, and think differently about aging. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now, you've mentioned it the last two, three minutes, and I might as well go into it now. Okay, what are aging scripts and how can it affect all of us? Well, I mean, aging scripts, I, I think what I, I tell people is that you, none of us age in a bubble. Um, you know, you age in family, so you have these family aging scripts or stories or whatever you want to say. I mean, one of your aging scripts is that you have a 92-year-old grandmother who is very active and engaged in life. So that's mm-hmm. one of your scripts running. So, you, you know, you right. age in family, you age in, in community. So kind of what's going on around you in, in regards to aging? Do you see older adults who are very active and engaged or do, do most people seem to be you know, kind of sliding down the downhill trajectory. And then you age in culture. And in our culture, you know, it's a very ageist culture, you know, where we have um, very negative stereotypes of aging. There's, you know, there's horrible jokes around aging. Um, you know, I remember I, I used to use a, a um, card that I found in the in the store, I was looking for a greeting card, you know, a birthday card for a friend of mine. And there was one that had a bunny on the front kind of wrinkling up its nose. And I opened the card and it said, I smell old people. And I thought, holy cow, you know, cause I thought, you know, it was supposed to be funny, you know, it's supposed to be ha ha funny. You're old now. 
Um, but I thought if, if you replace the word old with a word describing any religious or ethnic group, people would go crazy at how inappropriate that was. I mean, they'd be picking in the store. But nobody thinks a thing of it with age. And um, so I think that the, that kind of, of negative stereotypes kind of run in our brain kind of undercover, sort of, until something happens. And, and let's say somebody does have an injury or an illness. And unless the positive aging scripts are more powerful than the negative ones, it's very common for people to just sort of start that downhill trajectory. It's like, oh, you know, here I thought I was going to do okay, but now I have this injury or this illness. And, and they, they let that health setback become a new set point in their life rather than fighting back to, to get as healthy and strong as they possibly can um, and recover from that. So I think that's what I'm talking about with aging scripts. Um, it, it's just, it's whatever those things are running in your brain sort of, and you know, the subconscious mind telling you what your aging story should be. Yeah. It's funny. You're saying this to me and, and I'm thinking about, well, this is 2019 as we're recording this. I'm thinking about the 2020 presidential candidates and many of them are in their seventies. And I have, I have heard on TV and I have read in articles and, and newspapers, uh, the question being posed should there be an age limit <laughs> or an age cap on people who want to run for president? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, why should there be? I mean, right. it, you know, it, do, do all of our presidential man or woman doesn't matter. Do all of our presidential candidates have to be 45 to 65 right. and, 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 the the perfect bill of health. Right. I don't think so, but right. I, I just, I just, I found, I found the question to be perplexing because yeah. I'm thinking, well, most of our presidents are pretty much in their sixties and seventies anyway. So what's the problem? Well, yeah. And I think that then the, that begs the question also is that, you know, good grief, you know, wouldn't you want somebody that had more experience and more knowledge and hopefully more wisdom? And we're not seeing a lot of wisdom in any of the candidates at this point, <laughs> but, <laughs> right, but right. you know, I, that's what you always hope for um, that there is mm-hmm. somebody who has the ability to, to use both sides of their brain, you know, and kind of connect the dots and, and you know, um, you know, make decisions that are that are based on all kinds of information, not just their own their own mind. But you know, I, I do. I, you you make a, a very good point. It's like that whole mindset that somehow we should say a certain age suddenly cuts you off from having certain opportunities. And it, it's funny because it reminds me of um, you know, in the National Park Service. The the agents who you know like the um, the agents who wear guns and stuff and patrol the park area, I can't remember what age it is. I think it's like fifty eight or something. They can no longer become a, a park ranger or be a park ranger because at fifty eight they've decided somehow they're no they're no longer able to to carry a gun or something. It's like what? So at fifty seven and three hundred sixty four days you're competent, and then at suddenly at, at fifty eight you're not. I mean that's just ludicrous. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, those are the things that, that ageism does in a culture. It's kind of, it, it imposes this idea that, oh gosh, at a certain age, you are no longer able to do X, Y, Z, which is, you know, it's absolutely wrong. Um, it is. So, 
Yeah, it, it, it is wrong. It is wrong. And that, that was, this is the exact reason why I was happy to get a chance to talk with you because I, I'm, I've been feeling that, that type of energy from you. I'm like, okay, I'm seeing something that I just don't agree with here. It's like, mm-hmm. you're, you know, here we are, we're a culture where basically throwing away people because the age goes past a certain number. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm like, I I just don't get it. And and it should be the opposite. It should be when they get past a certain number, we should say, okay, what is it that you know about life that you've gone on this long Mm -hmm. that I could learn? Mm -hmm. And and, and we all should have that understanding. Yeah, it would be nice. I mean, and, and, you know, a few people do and, um, but, you know, I got to also say, just because somebody le- li- lives a certain amount of age doesn't mean they're wise either. You know, I mean, of course, some of course, people, of some people have just, you know, I, I don't think people change as they age. I think that it, age gives you an opportunity to learn more, grow more, see more, you know, put more things together. But some people, you know, are just really self-focused and never change. You don't change when you age. You just become more of who you are. And I, you know, so if you've been a poopy person your whole life, you're going to be a poopy old person. (laughs) person You're just not going to be a pleasant person. But if you are open and learning and growing and, you know, all of the things that we hope for as we, you know, go through this life, you know, to be an open person, to have good, you know, social connections, to have resilience, to have all of that, um, then it just gives you a, a way better chance of being a really interesting whole person. Yeah. And that's really what it's about. Yes. Uh, so how would you describe your company, Brilliant Aging? Um, well, my company is really focused on um, helping give people the tools necessary to live with vitality their whole lives. I mean, I think it's I, I work with a lot of uh, senior living communities, the senior living industry to try to help them build cultures of well-being. Um, rather than cultures of illness management. I think that sometimes people think that if you move into a senior living community that, you know, that's kind of the beginning or the end or something. And instead, helping um, these communities build a true culture of well-being where it's like, hey, you know, this is an opportunity-rich environment to, to, you know, grow and change and continue learning and continue doing um, and being every everything you want to be. And I think one of the things that that really strikes me is that, if you know, in in our culture now, I mean, used to be years ago, people with disabilities were placed in institutions, and they weren't given any resources and tools to learn or grow or whatever. They had this attitude or expectation that there was nothing they could do. But when the disability movement came along and changed all those attitudes and expectations. And then started demanding opportunities and resources for people. I mean, now young people with disabilities do amazing things. I mean, we have a young man who lives here in Bozeman who was born with no legs. And he traveled the entire world on his skateboard all by himself, taking pictures of people's first reaction to him all over the world. And he has this book called Double Take that's fascinating. But anyway, the idea being that the young people are given resources and tools and encouragement to overcome challenges and live fully in spite of them. Whereas oftentimes with older people, they're only given resources and tools to just cope with disabilities or challenges. And there's a tremendous difference in mindset between overcoming and coping, and which results in a tremendous uh, difference 
profoundly different outcome. And so I think <clears throat> when we consider what can we do to make sure that regardless of age, people are given those resources and tools and encouragement to make their world as large as possible, to contribute as much as they can to the, the greater world, as opposed to make their world smaller and just cope mm. with it. Mm. Wow. Overcoming versus coping. Exactly. Wow. I, <laughs> that, that, wow, that is a nugget I'm going to take with me for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. thank you. That, Good. Yeah, I'm glad you really hear that. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because it ties into the next question I have to ask you. So, uh, uh, overcoming and coping, I get the feeling that it's a mindset that you normally, uh, I guess you could say be at home with depending on the person. So, in your mind and estimation, what is the correlation between mindset and aging? I honestly think it's one of the most important factors of aging because if you start looking at people who, you know, some people are are very fortunate. They go through through life. Again, they have good genetics. They're doing good lifestyle um, strategies, and they're very active and healthy throughout their whole life. And then you have some people who um, have ch- – major challenges and yet they continue to live a full and active life as well and so that's the mindset piece that's the piece that says it doesn't matter what the barriers are i have a life that i want to live and i'm going to look for for adaptive strategies and resources and tools to keep living the life that i want to live as opposed to saying well um i guess now that i'm this age and i have this challenge i have to make my world smaller so the mindset piece of it is, is, I think, the biggest piece. And so in my company with Brilliant Aging, I really try to help individuals themselves, you know, develop that mindset of ageless thinking and resilience. And I also try to help companies, um, you know, support staff to have that same mindset and, you know, kind of create a brand around this is the mindset that we move forward with. Um, is this mindset of ageless thinking and resilience and uh, living fully regardless of challenges. Mm. Yeah. And I think that is key to life, no matter how old we are. Exactly. But yeah, defi- yeah. But th- definitely as you, as you age, it's important. I totally agree with that. Yeah. You have to have a, you really just have to have a mindset of when you face those challenges, you have a, it's a fork in the road. Mm-hmm. Do you decide you're just going to make your world smaller or are you just going to, to do what you can to overcome and keep moving forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. No, no wonder why you're successful. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> That's really kind. Uh, no problem. No problem. So in, uh, well, we've talked endlessly about uh, your chapter in success formula, the book. Uh, one of the things that just stuck out like a sore thumb was uh, this this plan. Not, I shouldn't say plan. No, no. This overall overarching uh, strategy called a vitality portfolio. So not necessarily you, but how does one create a vitality portfolio? You know, I think uh, with the Vitality Portfolio, I created this a number of years ago with the idea that most people are comfortable with the concept of a financial portfolio, you know, that you, if you're going to have, you know, 
financial well-being, you have to make some kind of financial plan, you have to balance your assets, and you have to make deposits, regular deposits. And so I created the Vitality Portfolio in that same model, saying that if you want to live with lifelong vitality, you need to create an actual vitality plan. And in that plan, you have to balance your vitality assets, which I, I call the six dimensions of wellness, basically all the body, mind, spirit stuff, um, the core assets of ageless thinking and resilience, and then the functional assets of strength, mobility, and endurance, because that's how we interact with the world um, is through our, our physical bodies. And so, you know, if you have those things and then you actually make deposits into all of those those areas that that's going to give you the best chance of living with lifelong vitality. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, I was reading through the strategies of it and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. And I, and it did feel to me like I was looking at a wall street journal article. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I think that the, the key is that it's a simple, it's very simple. There's just, you know, Mm-hmm. You you make a plan, you balance the assets, and then you make deposits. And I think mm-hmm. that that's key because I think sometimes in health promotion, people get really carried away with giving all these very, you know, specific, you've got to do this, you can't do that. And then the next, you know, year, oh, wait a minute, we were wrong. Now you have to do this and, and stop right. doing that. And so I think this is very logical, very simple strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it is. It is. And I think it's one that we definitely all can follow. Now, before I let you go, I have this one question I have to ask, and, and this is completely off the book, but I, I have mm-hmm. to know this just for my own uh, sanity and, and health as I advance in age. Uh, you have talked endlessly about a lot of activities that you do to keep you vibrant and, and vital in life. In your estimation, what, sh- or I should say, how should someone remain being childlike as they advance into their golden years? Remain childlike. I think, <clears throat> I think again, when we ad- admire um, a childlike attitude, it's not the, you know, <laughs> having tantrums when things don't go right and, um, right. you know, being just kind of wild. It's really more about being fully interested in every, every moment of life. I mean, my, uh, our, our grandson was just here this weekend and, you know, that was just a, it's, it's so fun to watch the joy with which they try everything and, and the, you know, the, the way they stick to it, you know, so if he's trying something, he'll try it five, six, seven, 10, 20 times until he gets it right and not get, you know, upset about it. It's just part of the, the process, the learning. So I think lifelong learning is so critical. Curiosity about the world is so critical. And I think for me, it's about staying curious and about um, staying engaged. Wow. You're such a jewel in life, man. Uh, (laughs) Those are, yes, those are wonderful. Those are wonderful, wonderful tools right there. Uh, Wow. I hate to say the words we've come to the end of this interview because (laughs) I'm really am enjoying what I'm hearing, but unfortunately we have. Uh, So before I do let you go, uh, where can the people find you and the products you, you have? Well, they can uh, find me at my website, and it's just my name, um, kvannorman.com. Um, they could also type in brilliant aging, and, and usually I come up. But the easiest way is just um, kvannorman.com. Mm. 
Well, you have it right here. Award-winning author, entrepreneur, the president of Brilliant Aging, and a wonderful advocate for the thought process of aging, Kay Van Norman. Thank you so much for this time. I appreciate all of this. Thank you, Cole. I appreciate the time with you. And that concludes Success Formula. I'm Cole, I'm Cole Johnson reminding you that success is not just a destination or a journey. It's a way of life. See you at the top.